The call specifies the means. Solomon's calling to be king indicated what was necessary in order for him to fulfill that calling. Governing well depends upon right and wrong, which is knowable, but not automatically so. I am a mere youth, he said, not knowing at all how to act. The great philosopher Aristotle said that governing or leading others is a superior virtue to governing well oneself. It's one thing to live virtuously yourself. It's quite another to help a society, a family, to do so. Solomon recognized he wasn't the source of that ability. He couldn't determine what's right or wrong, but needed that understanding to judge well. And what did judges do? Well, you steal something from me. I take you in front of a judge so that the judge can set things right. Judges set things right. And the ancient Jews understood that this was only possible if the judge's moral life was set right too. When it wasn't, then their judgments became flawed and foolish, and society suffered, as happened to Solomon when he gave in to immorality and idolatry. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he finds a pearl of great price, he goes and sells all that he has and buys it. Kingdom, the word kingdom here is a dynamic term. It's not geographical. It means something like God's ongoing care for his people. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's ongoing care, his kingdom, is like a merchant's. Well, that means that God involves others in his ongoing care. It's like a merchant who expends what he has in order to gain what is most valuable, which enables the merchant to be as helpful to others as he or she can be. So obviously the question is raised about how we as merchants are expending our resources, time, energy, money. What are we attempting to purchase? What does that suggest about our understanding of our calling? What does it indicate we believe is the highest good? How helpful does that make us to others? How helpful, in other words, is you know, binging on Netflix or video games or social media. Are there better ways to use our money, time, energy? Jesus said that those instructed in the kingdom of heaven bring from their storeroom both the new and the old. Now, St. Augustine made a fascinating observation about this. At least I think it's fascinating. He pointed out that Jesus didn't say old and new, as we might expect, as in a sequence of time, like Thursday and Friday or 2022, 2023. St. Augustine wrote that Jesus said not old and new, as he surely would have said, had he not preferred to preserve the order of value rather than the order of time. You see what this means? If Jesus was emphasizing time as the determinative value, he would have said old and new, like when we list our schedule, 9 a.m., 10 a.m., 11 a.m. appointments. Value is the guiding principle for the person entrusted in the kingdom of heaven. Not chronology, the old or new, 
Not quantity, no. Value is, he's saying. It reminds me a little bit of what we're doing with our building designs, campus designs, drawing from new and old, allowing value or truth to be our guide. I'll just share this with you. On Friday, I received an email from a neighboring priest, a nearby priest, and the subject line was bravo, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. He said, I just watched your video about the plans for the church. I'm in awe. The best plans for a new church in this archdiocese, dot, 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 ever, all caps. So well thought out and so conducive to Catholic liturgy, education, and parish life. I said, well, thanks be to God, to good architects, and to a parish who bought into this, trusted. Now, I've also been thinking about this in terms of the liturgy. You know, there have been movements that have said, the old only is good, like the Pius X Society, and others that have said, only the new is good, like false interpretations and imp- implementations of Vatican II, you know, with the destruction of altars, statues, stations, and the liturgy in some case. Old, bad, new, good. Old, good, new, bad. Value is key to understanding. What takes place here, the truth, the substance of it, specifies the actions, words, materials, music, etc. You know, in some areas, like uh, the actions of the priest, most everything is precisely prescribed. The priest isn't above the liturgy, he is its servant, so he doesn't win any points for creativity. Not at all. Music, on the other hand, is given wider girth, but is still guided by the substance of what's being done. It's not firstly, do I like this style, but does it correspond to the specific action of the Mass, the feast being celebrated, the scriptures being read? That's why the church says that even though music from the stage or studio may have Christian themes, it's not fitting for Mass unless it meets those criteria. However, this leaves wide possibilities from Latin to Amazing Grace and beyond. You know, for various reasons, I've tried to... Take a balanced approach, some of this, some of that, keeping the masses nearly the same. There's certainly a number of parishioners who don't care either way, and that makes things easy for me. There are others, though, with preferences and opinions, more or less informed. Obviously, it's not possible to cater to each individual, nor is that the goal Christ puts before us. It's conversion, right? To miss this is to mistake mass with a social gathering of some sort. You know, there are obvious downsides, though, to seeking the middle ground. Everyone gets a little of what they value. No one gets everything, similar to a family, right? But here's what I've been thinking about. See what you think. Let me know. What if we gave each mass a little more of its own unique character? If it doesn't matter to you, then thanks for making it easy on me. If it does then you could just simply prioritize attending the Mass you prefer. However, if you want the character of the Mass to fluctuate with your fluctuating schedule, then I might say, aha, now I know where that centrifugal force is coming from. Right. So here's what you know, I'm thinking, which is organized as it is in part because of available musicians from the outside and conversations with some of you. You know, 4 p.m. Mass, will be, in a sense, more popular, quote-unquote, music. I won't say contemporary, because a lot of the psalms that we use are actually newer compositions than a lot of those songs, but more popular music. You might think of it as piano with a little organ occasionally sprinkled in. 7.30 in the morning, don't want to 
wake that bear at all. So I'll leave it basically as it is, you know, hymns, organ with a little piano sprinkled in. You know, 9 o'clock, there are those who have um, missed having Latin as a regular part of Mass. So I thought, well, one out of the four Masses, we could consistently have Latin Mass parts, maybe some in other areas, maybe some antiphons. You know, with the special music groups, because we can just get musicians at certain times, so for choirs and such. Tonight I was thinking maybe we could also do some of the cutting-edge progressive things that Pope Benedict XVI talked about, like maybe having an inaudible Eucharistic prayer to integrate more silence maybe into the Mass. 11 o'clock, we'll say have the musicians around from 9 o'clock, so use them, but ordinarily not Latin. And then for 9, maybe 11, 2, I was thinking of incorporating some other traditional elements. You know, some of the babies we threw out with the bathwater around uh, Vatican II or after Vatican II. You know, I'm thinking about this, especially in terms of the Eucharistic revival that the bishops have put forward for us. Like, there's such a lack of belief in the real presence. And I know that you face this direction, I face that direction, so you don't see what I see, but there are those who simply have conversations throughout Mass, during the homily, a scroll on their phone, which makes it rather depressing from this vantage point. You know, but it certainly corresponds to my experience at times that with Mass like this, it suggests that I'm on a stage or on a screen, and I'm entertaining or hosting all of you. You are spectators, and I'm the actor. So we've talked about this in some detail, but maybe offering Mass according to the directions in the Missal where we all unite in that act, moving in the same direction, facing the same way. So we suggest, no, you're not a spectator here. You have an enormous part to play. You're engaged in the offering of this sacrifice too for your salvation and the salvation of the whole world. You know, let me know what you think. Certainly want to hear that. I guess we'll see, you know, if it's wise or if it's folly.